Hey, welcome to our online sermons at Coastal Community Church. So glad that uh, you're checking these sermons out on our internet and, and on our website. And so I want to welcome you. And, and I do want to encourage you that these sermons, online sermons, should be a supplement to your spiritual growth. But one of the things that we're big believers in at Coastal Community Church and I uh, want to encourage you is to find a home church uh, where you can not only grow in teaching, but also grow in community with other believers. So if you don't have a home church near you and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to invite you to Coastal Community Church. We just recently moved uh, to 101 Village Avenue. We have two services, uh, 915 and 11, and we'd love for you to check out one of our services here in the community. Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Good morning. I'm going to fix the rug. A couple issues of house cleaning um, on the front end. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? The turkey has still hit you, I guess. You're still in that comatose state. Um, a couple issues. First thing is this. What I want you to do is I want you to pull out the back of your chair. And um, on the back of your chair, there is an offering envelope. And uh, Coastal is doing a Beyond Christmas offering. And, um, and this will be kind of the first year um, that we've done this, obviously, because we for Beyond. And the idea is that we want to finish paying off all our contractors. Um, and... Our goal is that we would continue to enter the new year without any um, debt for this building um, in regards to not like the mortgage, but I wish, um, but the uh, contractors. And so we, Pastor Sean laid out a goal of a million dollars. We're almost to that goal. And so we just want to encourage everybody to be faithful. Take the offering envelope home, put it on your table and pray and ask God, God, what would you have me do? For all you grace givers, this is the time. This is the time. All you tithers, continue to tithe and look and go, I can give this percentage. So it's for everyone. Um, So as a family, circle around the table and pray. Pastor Sean gave some pretty um, awesome goals um, of what we can do. You know what's interesting? I love this church. We've already given um, close to $200,000 to missions. And we'll have, we'll have given almost $200,000 by the end of this year to missions. I mean, we have, yeah, that's awesome. Give it up. I mean, that's, and so what's great is that we get to continue to be generous to this community and to the uttermost parts of the world by sharing the gospel. So don't miss out on your opportunity to give to the Lord faithfully. So you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I hope you had a good turkey day. We're going to get into the good stuff. We're talking about being thankful, thankfully growing. That's what we're going to be talking about. John chapter 15, verses 1 and following. Here we go, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, 
Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. Precious Father, and teach us your word. Teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. Teach us, Lord God, what you would have us to do, Father, as we go from here. Teach us what it is to remain in you. Help us to understand, Lord God. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are open. And transform us, Lord God, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Did you hear the phone when it was ringing? Isn't that awesome? Like we're praying and then it's like, calling. Um, anyway, that was an ADD moment. You get it because it's the 11 o'clock service and they're not recording this one. Yes. <laughs> okay, turkey has really set in for some of you. Either that or I'm just not funny right now. I don't know what it is. So um, John 15, how many of you guys have ever struggled with sin? Raise your hand. This is an honest confession. Keep them up. Oh, no. I kind of, Okay. Here's the deal. How many of you, like, this is a support group, okay, this morning. We're all in support. Hi, I'm Andrew. I struggle with sin. Okay, thank you. Yes. Here's the deal. I hate that I struggle with sin. I hate that I struggle with things that I don't want to do. In fact, the Apostle Paul hated the very same thing. He said in Romans 7, the things that I don't do, I do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, now picture this. He just had the Last Supper with them, the Passover meal in the upper room. He already washed their feet. Now they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And if I could take you to Jerusalem, and you would be here in Jerusalem, you walk down a valley to go up the mountain to go to the garden. And on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was going to be betrayed to go to the cross... He comes across a vineyard. Now there's a river, the Kidron River, that runs through this valley. And so it's a very, it, was, it's, it was a very lush valley. And so it would be a great place to be able to grow grapes. So as Jesus is walking, there's a vineyard, and Jesus stops to give his disciples an object lesson. And isn't it great that, the, that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaks to us in a way and to his disciples in a way, and speaks to us in the same way, in a very loving, patient way that we can understand. And as he's communicating, he's communicating about a struggle that's about to happen. Because he's about to go to the cross, and the disciples are going to scatter. Peter's going to deny him three times, and they're going to be wondering a lot of things. And I think... 
that this teaching, very fresh teaching in their minds, is probably going to play. And so as Jesus is talking in this struggle that they're about to have, he wants to communicate and teach them something, and he uses a grapevine to do it. If you're taking notes, pull out your notes and look at the introduction. God is slowly growing most Christians, whether they realize it or not, as most Christians are fighting not to grow, but to be seen and to be viewed as important or significant. What's happened in our society, in this world, is that everybody's looking to be seen, to be viewed, to be significant. And so we have these little devices that we carry in our pockets. And we take little pictures of ourselves. And we post them for everyone to see so that everyone would see us. To see that what I'm doing is significant and what I'm doing matters. And what I'm doing is important. Because, let's face it, all of us want to be viewed as significant. All of us want to be viewed as important. All of us want to be viewed in a way of, oh wow, that person really matters. And in the Christian life, we take this ideology of the world and we take it into our Christian life. Look at Facebook. It's, okay, I gotta, I gotta ask this. I gotta ask this. How many of you, most people, and they were, there was a statistic that I read, and I, I want to know if it's true in here. How many of you guys have either omitted part of the truth on a Facebook post or something, or been completely dishonest on a Facebook post just one time in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, wow, that's really good. That's really good. It, it's actually 40%, almost 40% of people have been dishonest at least one time on their Facebook posts. Okay, why? Because what I'm doing or what I want is more significant than really who I am or whose I am. And so in this Christian life, we look and we struggle with this idea of wanting to be significant. Jesus uses grapevines as an object lesson for the Christian life as he walks with his disciples through a field on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Now, let me set this up for you. The characters... There's, there's characters that Jesus gives here. Jesus attributes certain characteristics or characters in this, this brief teaching to his disciples. The first one is the true vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Jesus Christ is the true vine. Now, this is significant as we look further into this text. The second character that we need to see is the farmer, or in this case, the gardener. And he says, and my father is the gardener, or he's the farmer. He's the one that's responsible for the plants. He's the one that's responsible for the care of all of it. It's his field. He's the one. He owns it. He belongs it. He tends to it. He's responsible for the growth. And then the last thing is, well, the, the third thing is this, the branch. When it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Look at verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches are the followers of Jesus Christ. Those that are connected to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that you've believed the gospel, that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the grave on the third day bodily, and by faith you've received him into your life. Okay, you believed and received Christ, then you are a follower of Jesus Christ. 
communicated, you are a branch in the story. He's talking to his disciples, but it's not a stretch of those that are followers of Jesus Christ are branches. The last thing is the fruit. What's the fruit? The fruit are the good works that we do as Christians. Okay? Now, look at verse 5. It's important to understand this. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in him will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's the sense that the good works you do is producing the fruit. It's all, as you're looking and reading this passage of Scripture, there's fruit that, that, that's being produced. Okay? Now, that's the characters. The next part is the connection. It's important to understand the connection. This is for those that are in Christ. Those that are in Christ. If you're taking notes, you can see it. For example, anytime you see the phrase in Christ, it has a very specific and special meaning. There are those that are in Christ. I'll give you an example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation because you are in Christ. Christ is in you, you are in Christ. You are connected to the vine. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, go ahead and bring that one up. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sins. So you understand, because what's the verse before? For the wages of sin, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. So it's this idea that you are in Christ. Those that have believed and received and trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior are in Christ. Those that Christ has saved. Now, I'm going to get a little nerdy with you. The word in, in Greek, it means this. It's a fixed position. It really literally means that it is a fixed position Christ. You are fixed. You are fixed in a position with Christ. That's beautiful. That means that God has you. It's fixed. He fixed it on the cross over 2,000 years ago, dying on the cross for your sins, rising from the grave. It's a fixed position. Let's go on. Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So you read this and go, yes, I'm connected to Christ. Oh, no, I still sin. Oh, no, I still struggle. If I'm connected to Christ, why in the world do I still struggle then? Why in the world am I still doing the things that I don't want to do? Maybe I'm just the only one. It's interesting. When people come and see me, they come and they go, Hey, uh, Pastor Andrew, uh, can we talk? And I'm like, Yeah, so tell me about your life. And they're talking. And usually, this is usually what comes out. Well, I'm not perfect. If you ever say that to me, my response will be, Oh, my goodness, I'm ruined. I totally thought you were perfect. No, the reality is none of us are perfect. All of us sin. All of us have fallen short. All of us that are in Christ have fallen short. Just because we're a new creation doesn't mean that the sin in our lives completely dissipates. The only time the sin is going to dissipate is when Christ returns and gives us new bodies. 
can't wait for that day. I played football on Thursday, and I am really sore. I played in that turkey bowl thing, and, like, I, I, my wife has la- been laughing at me all weekend. She's like, oh, wow. I still think I'm in my 20s, but I'm not. I know, I know. I know you thought I was, but I'm not. No, the idea, though, is the connection is in Christ. And so one day when we get to be new creations, we will no longer struggle with sin. So let me, let me explore the connection. Let's look at this a little further in the text. God wants us to remain in Christ, connected through the gospel. Look at verses 3 and 5. Look at verse 3 here. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. God wants us to remain in Christ. You look and go, okay, interesting. What does it mean to remain in Christ? Look at number two. God will use us to bear fruit through us if we stay connected. God will use us to bear fruit through us if we stay connected. Now, this is important because look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abide in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the deal. Think about the vine. Have you ever seen grape? Have you ever seen like grapes growing? I have this in my house. And they're the, the, basically the, the vine is like really thick and grounded in the ground. And the va- branches are really puny and thin. And he's saying that I'm the vine. And out of these come these branches. And on the branches come this incredible amount of fruit. So what's he asking? God will use us to bear fruit through us. Are we bearing the fruit according to this text? No. And yes. No, what does God want from us? Is he saying, I want you to go and bear fruit? No, what is he saying? I want you to what? Remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abide in me or remain in me. See, our responsibility is not to bear fruit. If you're here today and you're working so hard to bear fruit for God, let me share something with you. That's not what God asked us to do. That's not what Christ asked us to do. Let me free you up right now. Are you ready? Remain in Christ. That's what he's asked us to do. Because if you remain in Christ... That vine will produce fruit. Woohoo! Isn't that exciting? That's as exciting. This is everyone supposed to get excited. It's the turkey. It's that turkey. It makes you tired. I know. Here's the deal God will use us to bear fruit through us if we stay connected. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 17. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. So what is fruit? Well, fruit are good works. Remember, we talked about this. It's good works that we do as a Christian. But you can identify false prophets by their fruit. You will know them because of the way that they act. They're really vicious wolves, disguised Basically, who you are will come out in your actions. So if you are a Christian, you will bear good fruit. If you are not a Christian, you will not bear fruit that is good. 
So here we go. Number three, God only wants to be with us, for us, relationally connected to us. So what's the point here in 9 and 10? I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. There's this relational connection that Jesus is talking here. He's talking to his disciples and he's saying, listen, being in Christ or being in me means that you will be relationally connected as the Father and I are connected, so we'll be connected. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And you'll bear fruit if you remain in me. You'll have the power of God working through your life to bear fruit for the Father. This is incredible. If you're taking notes, Christ has provided our connection to God to grow us. So be thankful. The byproduct is not, is nothing but fruit. If I remain in Christ, what's the byproduct? I will bear fruit. Isn't that exciting? The byproduct is that I will bear fruit if I remain connected to the vine. I don't have to force myself to do it. Number three, so we have the characters, the connection. The third is the choices. Pain and growth or death in life. Wow, that sounds exciting. Isn't that exciting? Pain in growth or death in life. What do I mean by that? Now, John 15 is an interesting passage because the father is the gardener or he's the farmer. And the Bible says in verse 2 that he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Okay? And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they produce even more fruit. What is verse 2 saying? Pain. If you're a Christian here today and you're bearing fruit, guess what? He's going to prune you. If you're a Christian here today and you're not bearing fruit, he's going to prune you. So guess what? What about all the happy talk? When I give my life to Jesus, everything is going to be perfect. No, the reality is this. Everything's going to be perfect when I get to heaven. Here on earth is going to be a struggle. Here on earth is going to be difficulty. Here on earth is going to be hard. The choice is this, pain in life. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you have your Bibles, turn over there because I want to I illustrate this through the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. In Greek, it's pomia, which means that we're his, his poetry being written. Okay, it's where we get the word poem or poetry. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. There's that in Christ Jesus again. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So the choice is this, that he's created us new. He's created us to do good works. He's created good works for us or fruit that he wants us to bear if we, re if we remain in him. So here's my question. Then why do I feel so beat up, discouraged, and I'm struggling, and I'm not perfect if God has all these good works for me and I'm supposed to remain? And Because here's the deal. There's a divine cutting. You might be here today and you might be struggling and God might have stripped a lot of things out of your life. And you might be to the point where you might be ready to give up on God. 
You might be to the point where you're like, man, if one more thing happens to me, I'm never going to make it. I, I can't do it. I've been faithful. I've tithed faithfully. I followed the Lord. I've served him faithfully. And all, and all I get is hardship, difficulty, and everything goes wrong for me. That's probably not you, just me. No, here's the deal. You might be here that's this morning. And you might have had an awful Thanksgiving and Christmas is probably going to even be worse. And you're looking and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I've been so faithful to you. And you call me your child and all these things are happening to me. I can't do it anymore. It's divine pruning. He's cutting off all the things in your life that are good and bad so that you can be more fruitful. Have you ever talked to somebody who suffered and has come through on the other side? Have you ever talked to somebody? I remember sitting in the hospital talking to a guy who was, who was dying of cancer and he just looked at me and he just said, I'm so overwhelmed by the, the fact that God would entrust me with cancer. I was like, what are you talking about? In my mind, it's a curse. You got to poison it with chemo or you got to burn it out or you got to cut it out. Or you gotta, I mean, it's awful. He said, no, it's, it's absolutely the most merciful way to die. And he was dying. And he said, it's the most merciful way to die because I can have all the conversations that I need to have with people that don't know Christ. He said, I can love people knowing that, you know what? It's only for a short time longer. I can love people that hate me. I can be kind to people. I can have the conversations with my sons and my daughters. I can have the conversations with my wife so she knows that I love her. He said, oh no, God has blessed me with a wonderful gift. We're all gonna die. I just know my timeline. What an incredible perspective as he was in the midst of this, or talking to somebody who maybe has lost a child and they've come out on the other side seeing the glory and greatness of our God. And they say, yes, life is hard. Yes, I feel like I've lost everything, but I've come through the other side knowing that God is glorious and his promises are true. See, that's what the world doesn't understand. All the health, wealth, and prosperity stuff it just makes us look greedy. No, the true test of the Christian is when you are living for the Lord and everything is stripped from you and all of a sudden you're there completely barren and exposed and wondering, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment... God becomes so alive and so much more real because you're still connected to the vine. You're still connected to the vine. That fruit and leaves are going to produce. It's going to come. The problem is we're impatient. I waited eight minutes at Chick-fil-A the other day in the drive-thru. <laughs> I was ticked. It should have been four. 
when I'm hungry and I want hot food, I don't wait for the stove to preheat. What is that? I stick it in the microwave and nuke it so I can grow a third eye one day. I don't care about that. Why? Because we live in a society of impatience. Listen, and the church is not immune. Okay, it used to take like 50, 60, 70 years to build a church building. They'd build these monster cathedrals of beauty. You could go over in Europe and see them. Man, we were like nine months into this process going as a church. What the heck? How come this thing's not done yet? Give us the permits, York County. Why? Because we're impatient. We live in a world of impatience. When somebody texts me, or when I text somebody, you have 30 minutes to text me back. You don't text me back, you better be dead, dying, or on your way to the hospital. Why? Because we're impatient. It's true in our life, and we carry it over to our spiritual life. Here's the reality. The reality is divine cutting for bearing no fruit, that's a scary place to be. There's three views to look at that. One is they're not saved. If you're cut and you're not saved for bearing no fruit, he takes the branches up, throws them in the fire. That's one of the views. I don't believe that view. Um, The other view is that you lose your salvation. Don't believe that. Church doesn't believe that. Third view is this. This is the view that I hold to. The divine cutting for bearing no fruit is, I believe, physical death. I believe that if you come to the point in your life, if the prodigal son would have died in the pig pen, I think he would still belong to the father and the father would have claimed his body. I think for those that have prayed, received Christ, they bared fruit in their life for a season, they belong to God, they're a child of God, they've lived for God, and then at a point that they've walked away from the faith for a season. Carnality. We call it carnal Christianity if you read it in Romans. That if they never return, God physically takes them out. Because why? The wages of sin is what? Death. So if you continue in sin, God doesn't take them out. He just gives them over to their sin. And when you live in sin, what happens? Sin, what's the consequences of sin over time? Death, right? So what happens is that timeline goes shorter and shorter, and I think physically you die. Now, lots of different views about this. Love to discuss it with you. Actually had a conversation about it after the service of the first service. But I think it's merciful. It's God being merciful by taking them out. Look at this. Number three, selfish release from Christ will bring our life to mulch. Think about the branches. Think about that machine that I think is the coolest thing ever when they cut down a branch and they stick it in that, you know, that grinding machine that makes mulch? Have you ever just like stood and watched? It is the coolest. You take the branch, you throw it in there, and it goes, (laughs) and it like shoots all the mulch into the back of the truck. You know what I'm talking about? Is that not amazing? That's the most amazing thing ever. And as I look at that machine, what is it? It's just chopping up that which is dead or dying. Something that was cut off or something that was lying on the ground. It's not good for anything, but 
fertilizer, and burning. And that's what it says in John chapter 15 as Jesus is talking to his disciples. Look at number four, slow growing that requires great patience. See, the whole point here of this is the choices are you're either going to have pain and growth or you're going to have pain and death because of the sin that you continue to live in. Now, some people believe that you've got to persevere to the end. I believe that you're supposed to persevere to the end, but I believe that God is merciful and he allows for carnality. There's a long, or you can have a long conversation and discussion about this. But it's this idea that God loves us enough to be able to, to long for us to come back and he waits for us. Think of the prodigal son. He was part of the family. He walked away from the family. He was in the pig pen. He realized that he was totally and completely destitute and going to die. He goes back to the father. The father runs to him and greets him and embraces him. If you're here today and this is the first time you've been in church in a really long time and you've walked away from the Lord, here's the call. God loves you and he wants you back. And he loves you so much and he wants to embrace you. And we as your church family want to celebrate with you on that return. But if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, you need to receive Jesus Christ because there's a family that awaits, that loves you and wants to to do life with you, to be a part of the support group that struggles with sin. But the choice is slow growing. It requires great patience. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. Now, I sure think he is sometimes in my life. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is long-suffering, which means he is patient to complete the work that he's working in this world, in unbelievers' lives, and he's great patient in our life as believers in our life, that he is going to Philippians 1.6, that he will perform this work until the day of Jesus Christ in our life. Romans 8.29, that he will make us and conform us into the image of his son. It takes a long time. See, I am not patient. That's my wife. In fact, my prayer to the Lord every day is, God, teach me patience and teach it to me now. (laughs) And he makes me wait. Have you ever watched a tree grow? You ever looked at a tree and just watched it grow or a little branch, bush? Doesn't look like it's changing, does it? So what do we do? We look for National Geographic and they put the little time ellipsed camera and they do like the month, the years, and then it's like the little, little thing, it sprouts up, shh, grows in this beautiful bush. And you're like, woo! That's the way we want our Christian life. But the reality is, that's not real life. Real life is this. Plant the seed. Water it. Look. Nothing's happening. Oh, it's happening. You just don't see what's happening. Oh, it's changing, but ever so slowly and ever so slightly. Oh, it's struggling to grow. It's growing. If the plant could talk, the plant would say, stop. If it was a little seed could talk, it would say, stop, this is hurting. My seed is breaking. Protrudes out. Oh, no, the world. The branch starts to, you know, the little, little tree starts to grow. Why? Because we're impatient. And we're not even the tree. We're not even the trunk. 
We're just a branch. And some of us are tiny little bit. Some of us are a little bit longer. Some of us have been cut back and feel like a stump. Some of us look stumpy. Some of us feel stumpy. But here's the deal. The farmer knows what he's doing in your life and in mine. And it's by faith that we have to respond and trust that he's doing a work in our life that sometimes we can see and sometimes we can't see. You might be here today and you might be saying, man, I need him to do that work. Be patient. Christ has a goal for your life. So does everyone else. So be thankful that he's not finished yet. I've grown carrots twice in my life. I was little and I was a little bit older. And I saw the carrot kind of grow out and the green on top. And I was like, man, it's awesome. It's done. I pull it out and the carrot's like this big. I felt like a failure. The reality was I was a failure at at carrots. Why? Because I got impatient. See, there's a lot of stuff that's happening underneath the ground that maybe we can't see. There's a lot of things that God's doing in our life that we can't see. And he's using these things to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. And instead of resisting it or calling it, you know, God hates me or he forgot me, recognize and be thankful that God is not done with us yet. He's got a plan for us. It's a masterpiece. Why? Because we're his children. And every good parent has a plan and a, and a love relationship with his children. And if you've invited Christ into your life, you're one of his children. Number four, the consistency. God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be faithful. See, here's the deal. There's the connection, the choice, and now the consistency. Consistency is about this. And in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about being consistent. Verse 5, for apart from me you can do nothing. See, I know a lot of Christians that say, well, I can do this, God, and I can do this, and I can do this, and I don't really need you for that. I know people that do church that way. And it might be something to you, and it might even be something to somebody else, but it's nothing to God, and it's nothing in light of eternity. Because what does the word say here? Jesus said, for apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants us to remain in the vine. He wants us to abide. That's where we're going to bear fruit. See, stay joined to Christ. Verse 7. Look what it says. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Who's the Father? The gardener. Who's the one that's working out? The garden, the father. Who's the one that's pruning us? The father. Who's the one that's that's helping us? The father, through the son, Jesus Christ, bearing fruit through our lives. Just the fact that we're a part of that process ought to make us grateful. Just the fact that God would use us to bear fruit, he could have done it all by himself. But he uses us in the process. Amazing. 
Stay joined to Christ. Have God's word remain in you. Answered prayers come from the remaining relationships. See, when you remain in Christ and Christ remains in you, the, the idea, the, the byproduct of the works or the acts that we were talking about that separates false prophets from, from real, genuine article Christians is the fact that they're in the word of God. They submit to the word of God. They submit to the local church. They submit to the authority of the scriptures and Christ. They submit to the things of God and they have their prayers answered because of the relationship they have with God. Look at this. Christ will be with us no matter where we go or how far we stray to bring us back to himself in this life or the next. So be thankful for his love and mercy. See, here's the deal. Because of Christ, Romans 8, we're children of God. We remain in Christ, we're children of God. So it doesn't matter if your branch is this big or this big. We're part of the family of God. You might be here this morning and you might be saying, man, I, don't, I might be a part of the family, but I sure don't feel like it. I feel awful or I am destitute or I am off, you know, I, I'm the worst. I'm, I still struggle with the same sin. You might have a sin that's been plaguing you for 20 years. It should, you, listen, rejoice because one day when God gives us new bodies, you will struggle with that sin no more. And until that moment, remain in the vine. It's a struggle. It's difficult. But he does all the work. Don't focus on bearing fruit. Focus on remaining in the wine. Why? Because he loves us and he knows us and he still loves us. And he has a plan for us. He wants to change us and transform us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. Even if nothing changes, you're still his. I want to close with this this story. Mary Ann Bird in her memoir entitled The Whisper Test, tells of the power of words of acceptance in her own life. She was born with multiple birth defects, death in one ear, a cleft palate, a disfigured face, and a crooked nose, lopsided feet. And as a child, Marianne suffered not only the physical impairments, but also the emotional damage inflicted by other children. Oh, Marianne, her classmates would say, what happened to your lip? I cut it on a piece of glass. She would lie. One of her worst experiences at school, she reported, was the day of the annual hearing test. The teacher would call each child to her desk, and the child would cover first one ear and then the other. The teacher would whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue, or you have new shoes. This was the whisper test. If the teacher's phrase was heard and repeated, the child passed the test. To avoid the humiliation of failure, Mary Ann always would cheat on the test, secretly cupping her hand over her one good ear so that she could still hear what the teacher was saying. One year, Mary Ann was in the class of Miss Leonard, one of the most beloved and popular teachers in the school. Every student, including Mary Ann, wanted to be noticed by her, wanted to be her pet. Then came the day of the dreaded hearing test. When her turn came, Mary Ann was called to the teacher's desk. As Marianne cupped her hand over her good ear, Miss Leonard leaned forward to the whisper. I waited for those words, Marianne wrote. 
that God must have put into her mouth. Those seven words that changed my life forever. Miss Leonard did not say to Marianne, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. What she whispered was, I wish you were my little girl. Nothing changed in Marianne's circumstances. She still struggled with all of her ailments and all of the mocking, but something changed in her life. It was the fact that someone loved her, saw her for who she was, and still loved her and believed in her enough. There's a God in heaven who loves you. He believes in you, Christian, and he wants to use you to bear fruit. And some of you have disqualified yourself. Some of you feel like that God has forgotten you. But he wants to use you, and he wants to use you here at Coastal. There's so many people, new people that are coming in. There's so many small groups that have yet to be formed. And you've disqualified yourself because you think God has forgotten you. He loves you. He wants you to be intimate with him and to remain in him. And he will bear the fruit. Stop giving the excuses of that you're not qualified. Stop giving the excuses that you can't do it. Stop giving the excuses of somebody else will rise to the occasion. Christian, you are here. It's time for you to rise to the occasion because you're his little boy or you're his little girl. And he wouldn't want you any other way. Marianne Bird became a teacher so that she could find other little boys and girls to impact their lives as her teacher impacted her. That's all we're trying to do is follow our teacher, Jesus, to remain in him so that we would bear fruit. If you're here this morning and you've, the prodigal and you've fallen away, come back today. If you're here today and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can begin a relationship today. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and three days later rose from the dead. And by faith, believe and receive Christ into your life. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. We have a prayer chapel in the back. If you walk out and to the right, it's a big cross over the window. Walk into the prayer chapel. There'll be people there that have a Bible that would show you how to have a relationship with Christ if you've never received him. But for us, let's stop living like we just ate Thanksgiving dinner and start serving, connected, serving Christ by being connected to Christ. Because in that connection, we will serve. In that connection, we will bear fruit. In that connection to Christ and in that relationship, we'll do all the things that God has called us to do. Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth. I pray, Lord God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord God, that they would surrender their life right now to you. And they would invite you into their life. Those that have fallen away, Lord God, I pray, Father God, that they would cause themselves, Father, to open up to the work of your spirit in their life. Draw them back to yourself, Lord God. Bring them home. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for who you are and for what you've done. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for who you are. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray 
they would respond to you. They would not leave here, Father, without inviting you to be their Lord and Savior. God, thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.